You're listening to the Sports by Fry podcast. On today's episode, as promised, JLo and I are back on the couch recapping a very interesting and for most, including myself, very frustrating weekend of fantasy footy. Pretty surprising results across the board. Today's episode was a bit more of a check-in. It's been a while, obviously since we recorded an episode, so touched a little bit on the ladder, talked some basketball as well, all the NBA players, well most of, that are going to take part in the NBA restart are now in the Orlando bubble, so there's some basketball to talk about, which is exciting, it's the first time in at least the last two or three months that we can say that. Each week we're going to have some other structured stuff and some other bits and pieces planned. I didn't actually talk about my fantasy score for the week, uh, probably because it's not really worth mentioning. I'm only about 50 points behind JLo, and there's a couple of people in the Sports by Fry League who are doing pretty well for the season. So we covered all of that and some other stuff. So without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Rightio, for the first time in, I think, over two months, I've got my shit together and I've managed to pin down J-Lo and myself on the couch to talk plenty of footy, plenty of basketball, and probably plenty of fantasy as well. How are you doing on Monday, the 13th of July, J-Lo? Yeah, pretty good, mate. I know I've been pretty elusive for the last two months. Sorry for that. Uh, You've been calling me all the time. Can't... Even though we live in the same building. Yeah, it's been I've, tough to pin you down for five minutes. I've been avoiding you, I'll yeah. be honest. So, uh, well, you're only human. I mean, there's been no sport on anyway, so what were we going to talk about? So. But it's back now. Basketball's back. People are in Orlando. Footy is returning to WA. Fans are going to be able to go and watch some games We've as of this weekend. Footy. We've returned to footy. My body certainly feels like it uh, has gone under a bit of a beating. But let's start... I'm just trying to organise myself. Clearly, you can see that... Uh, the rust is still evident in the Sportsby pod, even though uh, we're back up and running. I want to talk fantasy stuff first. I'm currently sitting in the Sports by Fry League, right in the middle. I'm 102nd out of 204 places, and I actually uh, did have a look to see where you're sitting earlier, but do you have any idea where you are sitting in the top 204, the most important league no, in the fantasy comp? No, I've got no idea. So, uh, unfortunately, you're just ahead of me. doesn't... Uh, Bring me great pleasure to admit it, but you're sitting around the similar area as the Adam Palmers of the world. Um, where are they? 85th overall, and I think mm. 11,000th, if uh, yeah. I'm not mistaken. How you obviously we've gone through six rounds of footy, but it's really just been five because the first week was three months separated yeah. from round two, so you kind of put that as a, uh, a different category. But how have the last five weeks or so gone for Chris Blorken? Pretty good. Um... You know, obviously there's been some inconsistent players like we've all had, but I had Neil from the start, had gone from the start. All the all the yeah, guys yeah, I expected yeah, all the guys I expected to be really good have been, for the most part, um, with a few misses, but I think that's pretty standard for everyone right now. Like I know you're a McRae owner and he's not he's not bad, but he's not McRae. Yeah. Um, and I think I think I've just sort of dealt I've I've avoided the injuries pretty well. Got a lot of earned a lot of money through my rookies. Had a bad week, um, not the round just gone, but the the one before that, yeah, um, because of a rollback issue, and I forgot to put, I put, forgot to put Lockie uh, Neal as my captain. Yeah, those type of yeah. stories you hear them happen to someone once a week. I think was this week the weekend. I kind of forget because when games start by Thursday, it's a long time between Thursday and Sunday. But was this the Thursday night that Mitch Duncan? 
got injured, just gone? I think so. Because that other VFL Geelong recruit, Sammy Simpson, yeah, stood up. It was. I'm right. uh, yeah. talking myself into it. But yeah, obviously, when Duncan went down, there were blokes putting up how they'd captained him and mm. like, you know, gone chasing him as a unique, and that just ruined their weekend. Then blokes had like Hayden Young on their yeah. field and yeah. Seb Rock. Oh, no, no, not many people have Sam Ross, but I certainly do. That's right, I have Brad Hill, mate. Everybody. Yeah, everyone's got him. That's it. But uh, it, it's really interesting, even you see it across the AFL and fantasy, it's so flat at the moment. Like, I was sitting ro- I was sitting really high before mm. that Lockie Neal thing, and now I've fought my way back to 11,000, which isn't, I'm not setting the world on fire, but you can jump five to five or so thousand, uh, not in that top area, but you can jump 5,000, in a weekend, if you have a good one, especially if you hit a few of those unique guys, like if Brad Hill backs up and has a 90, yep. then I'll be laughing, you know? And you just got to... Sometimes I think, especially with this weird season, sorry to drag on, but I think we got to look at body of work a little bit um, yeah, yeah, yeah. over um, form in, in some ways, and particularly with those guys who you expected to have from start to finish of the year, or, yeah. or at least weren't looking to address until the end of the year, barring injury... I think we probably have to be patient with those guys. And you, I know you've been burnt once with a forward you let go, but also kept a forward. And it's kind of, I guess, Patient shown means, you, well, yeah. they both have done well. And it's almost like, oh, you know, you, you still go, and you'll go into it, I guess, in a second. Still worked out. I don't know. Okay. Are you going to bloody let me? Jesus. Sorry. No, sorry. But it, I think it, it, it does prove the point. So feel free to tell the story now. Yeah, no, uh, you're right. I, a couple of weeks ago, traded out Hugh Greenwood, which uh, that was before Matty Rao got injured, just for yeah. the record. True, uh, true. But ever since he's gone down, Greenwood has been on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, it was always a tackling machine, but instead of trading out Andrew Brayshaw, I uh, gave Hugh Green with the flick. So, yeah, yeah. you know, six of one, half a dozen the other, like we keep saying. Everyone's got these issues. I think my biggest problem is I haven't nailed the midfielders. I've got sure. a couple of unique dudes and then a couple that everyone's got, like McRae, Mitchell. Cogs. Um, Cogs is pretty popular, but mm. Andy McGrath paid off a bit. Tim Kelly it was probably, along with Seb Ross, my other real unique, like stab in the dark. And those mm. two have been all right, yeah. but neither of them have been flying. And I think, along with the likes of Jackie Crisp, and uh, for a period of, I guess now more than earlier, on Chad Wingard. But those type of like guys that you would put as top eight, six players in their certain positions haven't really delivered. And I started the year without Whitfield, got him now, so Mm. that's starting to fire up. But we could spend the next 50 minutes talking about our rabble of a team. I think you said you're about 11,000th. I'm 13 and a half, so not too far behind you. Mm. After doing a little bit of crunching, though, shout out to Blair Newton, the uh, leader of the Sports by Fry League at the moment. He's sitting 107th overall, but there's only about... Get that hat, son. Yeah, I was having again. There's only about 550 points between he and I. And, you know, it sounds like a lot when you put it into that context. But Two good captains. There's 11 rounds to go. Yeah, oh, totally. Two good captains and an injury. And or just he just... And it's, it's so easy to accidentally roll back your team. Like, it literally happens to everyone once. Exactly. And yeah. it, all it takes is just something like that, or, or you getting a lucky break. Forget or, or the you do bring captain a, or something. You do bring in a guy like a do-day that didn't yeah. work at the start, but does now, and you just like, you know, so there's a few guys like that. But it's, and again, it is a long season. Like, we're a third of the way through, mm. literally. There's six, well, you know, as close as we can get to a third. There's six down, 11 to go, yeah. so... When you say there's only 22 trades left for the year, it does make you think, oh shit, I need to start like swapping some things mm-hmm. around. But hopefully, fingers crossed, if things go according to plan this week, I'll only have 
four rookies left on my field after trades, not including Pitonet. So, yeah, sure. yeah certainly got a glass half full approach at the large fries and coke, but some work to do. I won't harp on too much more about the fantasy stuff. I'm going to be doing my dream team talk cash cows article uh, that'll be live on Wednesday. So make sure you give that a read if you uh, don't usually tune into that, but. Who's one player in your, or not in your team at the moment, will probably go across each line, sure, starting right. in defence, that you really are looking at long and hard, that you're like, oh shit, I have to get them into my side. Um, okay, so we'll start up back, I guess. I think Jake Lloyd is kind yeah. of like in a bit of a class of his own, yeah. so you and I both don't have him as our up. Yeah, sh- yeah, Jake Lloyd would be the one, um, if for someone a bit more interesting, obviously we got to wait for Basher to get back with the team. But yeah, he's obviously in the in the locked in the top six. The guy I'm really looking at at the moment, especially off a pretty good game. Don't trust the side as a whole, but is Brody Smith. Mm. Um, I liked his the look of him in the preseason as he worked through the midfield. Um, and I think I just think the Crows are so at sea. He might get a chance. Um, and if he's playing into a bit of form now. I reckon he could be one in the back line. Ironically, that's uh, who I'm hoping to trade in to my team at the moment, depending on how bad Hayden Young's injury is. I think it's got to be Basher for me. He's pretty expensive, actually the most expensive defender at the moment. And obviously, we don't know when he will officially return. Shout out to Basher as well. Heard today that his mum is in ICU battling uh, COVID-19. He's a great ambassador of the game, is Basher Hooley. So thoughts and prayers with him and his family. But... He is obviously a fantasy elite right up there with Jake Lloyd, the two of them uh, averaging 83 on the year. But one bloke who's didn't shock you, but he's kind of surprised the majority of the fantasy community, he isn't in my side, is Nick Haynes. Uh, you started the year with him, correct? Oh, no. Or close I, enough I, to? I started the year with Brody Smith, but I'd, I'd wanted to start with Haynes and I, I nearly killed myself for <laughs> not doing back. <laughs> no, for not doing the Nick Haynes thing. And yeah, right. I, I just didn't trust myself. I switched it at the last minute. So I traded him straight back in after round one. And I just loved him, especially last week. God, he's a mark machine. Yeah, he's a pretty impressive fella, his, uh, the home train. It'll be interesting to see if he can maintain that form. He's obviously excelling, taking a lot of those intercept marks. GWS has been doing that for ages, just plucking the footy and getting up their marks. And a lot of their midfielders use that to kind of boost up their scores. Lucky Whitfield was probably the one that benefited the most in the weekend. But transitioning into the midfield, I think Josh Kelly's someone that I have always loved watching and really want to get into my midfield. But as I'm looking at it, I don't really know. I mean, I said to you, I think I've said to you on multiple occasions, every part of my being wants to chop out Seb Ross. Right. But I know the week I do, he'll drop 110 mm. and then he'll dominate for the last month of the season as he always does anyway so it might take a little bit of uh, finagling for me to get rid of him but I don't know Kelly's definitely someone that I've got my eye on and I like the looks of uh, probably Trelaw as well as another one so we'll have to watch this space and see if any of them do drop a bit and obviously uh, to try and address the elephant in the room I still don't have Lockie Neal on my side so yeah, yeah, a lot of work to do in the midfield for the large fries and coke but um Who's the guy that you think you've got your eyes and your heart set on bringing into that uh, one of those coveted eight midfield spots? Oh, to be honest, I'm pretty happy with where it's at. I just had to put Noah Anderson on the field with Raoul out, so he'll be a chop out. But everyone else at the moment, like, uh, are looking good. I've got Mitchell, I've got Neil, I've, I'm rolling with Andy McGrath, just like you. Because you put um, a, a lot of your money to start the year into your midfield. For those who don't know, do you want to just very briefly, because you batted... Seven deep, eight deep? Seven deep, 
plus eight with Matty Rao. So um, Rao is your only rookie in the midfield, basically. Yeah, and yeah. So right now I'm rolling with Whitfield's in my midfield because I just chopped him for Shuey. Then it's Neil Cogs Hill. Oh, I yeah, forget Shuey's out. Mitchell. Tommy, obviously, Sammy Walsh and Andy McGrath. So I've got that one spot to fill, and I probably can. I've got the money this week to go pretty much anyone I want. Handy. Um, I'm not quite sure if I am going to go the mids just now because I feel like their, their price movement, and there just needs to be a bit of a settling time. Yeah, right. So I might... Kelly's the guy that I love, um, and Trell, uh, and I don't mind Gaffy as well. I think by the end of the year, I think they'll all be in my team, but I do just want to wait um, for, for Josh Kelly to drop a little bit. Yeah, Trelaw's the one. I mean, I did just originally give Kelly reps, but I think the more that I think about it now, Trelaw's probably the one that I'd want to get first. Yes. Um, oh, well, two not very... including Neil, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Lockie Neil's in a bit of a class of his own, but I think I've just succumbed to the fact that unless I rob a bank or get him in the last portion of the mm. season, it's going to take uh, some serious work. All right, into the rucks. It's pretty obvious. I've got Grundy, you've got Gorn. Mm. I want Gorn, but do you want Grundy? Because he... Had a bit of a stinker on the weekend, only had 53. I still think is right there with Max Gorn and Lockie Neal as one of the top three or top handful players in the competition. Top scorer from a year ago. Yep. Still averaging 96 on the season, which, quick math, if you times that by 1.25, is just a bit under 120, about 115 yep. ballpark. Um, any interest in someone like a Riley O'Brien or a Todd Goldstein? Because you and I both got... Good old uh, Mr. Worldwide, Mark Pittenet at the, the second ruck slot. Goldie, Riley O'Brien, any of them interest you? Or do you yeah. reckon Grundy's the way to go? Yeah, look, I think they all um, interest me a lot. You know, I think in an ideal world, I'll ride, ride Pittenet for two to three more weeks and then make the jump to Grundy if Grundy falls a bit. I'm yeah. um, hoping he just strings together maybe a couple of 60s that bring him back to earth and just jump on him then. Um, and I'm sure everyone else who doesn't have Grund, you'll be hoping the same thing. Yeah. Um, but if it, if it does just sort of work out that I'm like, oh, I can bring Riley O'Brien in this week and, and, it, and it makes a lot of sense, then I'll do it. Because, yeah, um, yeah I, I reckon they're, they're all scoring pretty well. They're, we've got that case of, or it's that situation where the top four, maybe yep. there's probably one bloke who's not in there that we're forgetting or something, maybe Ron Marshall or something. Um, are actually all viable options that you could go with any day. Wits even, maybe? If he's yeah, Wits is someone who we had both started the year with last year. He's averaging 66 on the year, mm. but around the same mark as like your Nan Curvis and your Nick Nats of the world. But yeah. I think that top four has kind of separated himself a bit from the pack. Shout out to Timmy English, who's single-handedly keeping me afloat in draft. Yeah. But yeah, I think for me, it has to be Maxi gone, but... Of Considering Riley O'Brien is a hundred and sixty grand cheaper, mm. if it happens that Pittenet by the time he flattens out, I haven't been able to make enough bank to afford Gorn, then so be it. I mean, in a perfect world, I'd get the start of the year with the best players. Yeah. I wouldn't have to pay up for him, which a lot of people did. They started the year with Gorn and Grundy, and I reckon it's kind of paid off. But there's plenty of people who will have stuck with Goldstein or O'Brien, mm. and they're going to be laughing themselves to the finish line as well. All right, last line forwards. I think you and I both have our eye on Steel Sidebottom when he obviously returns from injury, as do the majority of the AFL fantasy world. But 
Are there any other guys that interest you? I know that you and I both poured a lot of time and money into our forwards, so there's not too many rookies floating around, especially if you've got Whitfield in your midfield at the moment. But mm. who else do you reckon piques your interest when it comes to the forwards? Yeah, you've can, you've talked me into um, Jai Simpkin, and I know a lot of guys are sort of starting, or a lot of people starting yep. to get on him. Um, one that jumps to mind uh, that sort of flies under the radar, especially with the, the calibre of the players around is Toby Green. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and obviously the way he's going right now, Hugh Green would, um, would have to say. There's, there's plenty of forward options, um, which is why I might look to address those backs now because there's two that you know are guns mm. and then sort of, sort of see other forwards fall. I'm in a little bit of a similar, like I said to you, similar spot hopefully only have four rookies on the deck after this and one in my forward line. So I'm going to back in the ones that I've got at the moment, but geez, it's going to be bloody tempting for me to not chop out, I don't know, Buderick or someone and just bring Hugh Greenwood back in. Yeah. Lock in your six forwards, yeah. leave him at F6 and just thanks for coming. But who knows? So like I said, still a long season, still 12 weeks to go. After six rounds though, there's been plenty of interesting results that have gone our way. Who would have thought that the last game we watched, Carlton would have won by 50 points. Yeah. That's the world we live in, and as a result, they find themselves inside the top eight. Time for your uh, useless sports by Fry stat. This is the first time ever in Paddy Cripps' career that he has uh, resided inside the top eight. Since 2014, the ball bug has gone nearly seven years without being in the top eight. So, shout out to he and the Blues. Um, very interesting top eight at the moment. Obviously, there's the absence of some of the heavy hitters of the competition, including... West Coast, and you could throw GWS into the mix as well. But are there any surprises or curveballs, significant ones, do you think, uh, that have been thrown at the top eight thus far? I think looking across, I'll give you a bit of a time to just have a squeeze at the eight teams in there. You've still got your likes of Geelong and Brisbane near the top. The Dons have a game up their sleeve, which is also all of a sudden very handy, considering they've already got four wins on the year. But aside from maybe Port Adelaide sitting as the minor premiers, who surprised you uh, early on in 2020? Yeah, I think it's more of the... It's not the, the teams who are sitting in the eight. It's the teams who aren't in there for me. Yeah. Um, I would I would obviously have to say Port. Um, and, you know, looking at the Dons at sitting fourth with a game in hand, potentially on second on the ladder, you, you can almost call them, mm. especially because they're playing friggin' Melbourne. Um, yeah. yeah, you have to be pretty impressed with the Dons, particularly with all their injuries. Now I'm about to miss Shield, and they're still just getting it done. So I've always liked the Dons, well, for a few years anyway, um, although this wouldn't have been the year I'd expect them to go really well. Mm. Um, so I guess there's a surprise. But like you said, missing West Coast, missing GWS, there's, I thought the Dogs would be up there. Um, and I thought Hawks would be in it as well. So a bit weird. Bit yeah, Hawthorne were probably the team that I would have picked. I mean, West Coast are... You know, kind of answer themselves, but they're, they're, on, the, they're, they're on the mark. They're uh, definitely trending upwards, and they got the uh, purple witches hats this weekend. Mm. So, ah, yeah, Huge. it'd be very interesting to see who does make the most of this uh, WA hub. Just mm. announced before we came on that Carlton and the Western Bulldogs and Richmond are all in the mix to be coming over to WA right after Geelong and Collingwood this weekend. Obviously, the Derby, and then we get to sink our teeth into a couple of Victorian teams. Do you reckon the stint? in WA is really going to benefit the WA teams? Or do you think it's kind of overlooked a little bit? You know, teams who were all in the hub in the Gold Coast were thrown into flux and in completely different situations and unique circumstances. And obviously, returning home to WA is a very different circumstance. So do you think that there's 
a real advantage to those teams who get to play at home, in quotation marks? I think there's less of an advantage for the teams who are going to a home hub now than yeah. there was five weeks, or however many weeks, yeah. five weeks ago, because we... It was all it was all so uncertain, and we were kind of. And then Conor McKenna got the thing, and it was just, it was all it was all a lot all at once, really quickly as well. Like it wasn't like the NBA where they've had this th- two three month leading where they kind of are working it out slowly, and it once they get there, it all makes sense. Particularly because they have a first team ba- uh, sport back as well. Yeah, I think it'll it'll affect them. These teams coming to WA and wherever else they went, New South Wales, much less um, than it did the teams who had to do it at the start. Yeah. Um, but that said, I think there should be some benefit to West Coast getting potentially thirty thousand fans at a home team uh, home game against some of these teams who aren't used to being out of their state at all. So. That'll be interesting to see. Are there any... They're, they're all Victorian teams plus the WA guys? Coming to WA, yeah. I'm yeah. pretty sure there might be some Vicks also heading to South Australia. The way that I understand well, it... Well, there was, was the, a South... Oh, South Australia. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, I don't fully know. The way that I thought it right. worked out was that it was going to kind of be Queensland hub, WA hub, then South Australian hub. But yeah. after the last two weeks, the things that have eventuated in Victoria, yeah. obviously all the Victorian teams had to kind of scatter away from there. Yeah. So I have a lot of sympathy for the guys organising the fixture this year because it seems to just be a constant uh, process. Having a gander, I'll see if actually, while we're doing it, I can get the fixtures up because they might even be on the site by now. But I know that, um, like I said, we've said, Geelong and Collingwood are going to be the first two. And then hopefully um, we can get at least more people in WA grounds and South Australian grounds. So hopefully more games in WA and SA. Yeah, and look, there's going to be plenty of fans of all those Victorian teams at, at each ground anyway. Like exactly. They, they'll have a bit, especially the te- the times when it's Richmond versus, you know, I, don't, I can't think of a small team, North Melbourne mm. somewhere. Richmond's still going to, it's going to be like it's a home game for them because they'll, they'll pull 15,000 fans out of the the state, especially if it's cheap tickets, sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it'll. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think it'll hurt them as much. And you know, what? we'll find out. It's a bit hard to tell. It is a bit hard to tell. I'm still digging to try and find this thing. I'm now stuck in a wormhole reading about how Steel Sidebottom has issued a video apology for his uh, boozy night out. All right, that'll be riveting. I reckon that's enough footy talk. We've gone through a bit of the ladder, a bit of fantasy stuff. I want to quickly visit the NBA because it hasn't been in our lives for a while, but as I mentioned before, everyone is now in Orlando, or everyone who's going to take part in this season restart. Yeah. And it's is a very... Jokic there yet? Sorry? Ooh. I haven't seen him there. Maybe, I know that there's some players from teams who are still, I don't know if they were self-isolating or if because they've tested positive, they were still in quarantine mm. or the exact logistics of it, right. but... Maybe they just saw what the uh, menu was like for the first couple of nights in the hub and they were like, oh, I might just wait a week before I rush to Orlando. Give it a while. Uh, regardless, by the time uh, the next fortnight elapses, we will have some basketball. We've got, obviously, the aforementioned Nikola Jokic and the Nugs competing with a pretty competitive uh, Western Conference. The Lakers, the number one seed out there, were dealt a bit of a blow today with Rondo going yeah. out for six to eight weeks with thumb surgery. Yeah. Um, I dropped late last week, I think it was from memory, maybe even a bit earlier, a Power Rankings article looking at the top 22 dudes or teams who are still left in uh, the hunt for the championship. And I actually put the Lakers third. Obviously, oh. this is before 
um, the Rondo news, but I still think that them, Milwaukee, and the other LA team, the Clippers, are right up there, not in a class of their own, but as the favourites in my eyes. Do you think that it's fair to say that the three of them are, again, not in a class of their own, but in a class of their own, for lack of a better word? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it just comes down to star power, a bit of experience. Like, you know, obviously the Clips have an absolute bona fide winner. Yep. Um, as do the Lakers and, and the Bucks. I think maybe the best position of all the teams because they have a little bit of continuity. This isn't their first season. They know the guys. They know the systems. Um, and they've just got that unstoppable force who you think you feel like it was easy for teams to plan for him going into last playoffs because they saw him coming in. But I think um, having not seen him for a few months, no one's played basketball for a few months, he comes back in like in some, some cruel shape. Yep. It could be lights out. So I think um, definitely those three for me. It just comes down to experience and star power. Speaking of experience and that continuity that you've touched on, in recent times, pretty much since I posted this article, I've been giving a lot of thought to the Raptors defending their title. Now, there's not many teams that you could say lose their entire starting wing rotation with Kawhi and Danny Green. And Kawhi, top three, five, one, whatever number you want to use, couple of players in the league, and they've still managed to actually win at a higher clip. Do you reckon the Raptors stand, like, any chance? I mean, it will probably in the East come down to a bit of a match-up thing so that they can avoid Milwaukee before the East Finals, but if you had to put a, not a number on it, but what chance do you give the Raptors to kind of defend their Eastern crown, at least, and maybe make the Finals again? Yeah, I love the Raps. Um, I reckon they're a really good shot. I've sort of got a few notes written down here. and I've got, Hey, I've preparation! Got, yeah, I've got them as my... They're probably my fifth team, I think. Um, obviously, those top three, and I, we'll probably talk about the, the fourth team later, mm-hmm. but... Yeah, I really like the Raps, um, especially because, like we said, continuity. All the the guys who were a bit banged up, like Van Fleet and stuff, they'll be, well, I think they'll be good to go. Mark the Souls of the world. Who uh, yeah, I can't remember how, what their injuries were. I know they're a little banged, but I, I just think they're going to come out on fire. I, I feel really like, like all injury things were kind of like, have just been washed. I heard... Dwight Powell might be back for the Mavericks. Didn't he rupture his Achilles or something? Oh, mate. Anyway, yeah. that was a, that's a severe left-field tangent. But yeah, yeah I'm, a, I'm also a big fan of the Raps. Yeah. I mean, it'll be, again, interesting to see match-ups-wise what they get. But they have experience. Some, and they have length, and they're really good at defense. Like, you put those three things plus the team high team chemistry up there, and they're defending champs. Like, mm-hmm. they know that teams are going to be coming for them and they'll have confidence in... I mean, not many people, myself included, gave them a chance to beat Golden State last year yeah. and they did that. So yeah. there's no reason why they can't topple the Bucks and the Lakers or Clippers to um, repeat as champs. So we'll say that they had Kawhi Leonard last year. That's they the did have Kawhi Leonard. That's, that's a big thing. Factor. And Siakam has taken another huge step in his growth, but it's a big step up to go from being a number two dog to a number one dog on a title contending team yeah the dog in the you got if you're going to win the championship you got to be the dog in the league like, yeah you got to be the baddest man in the league that year so and i yeah. feel like you know you could say that Giannis is there for the bucks could put Kawhi into that conversation for the clippers lebron is obviously that for the lakers and there's other stars on those teams but there's not too many of those other superstars who are kind of carrying their team forth at the moment. You look at like the rest of the field outside that top handful, you could give Nikola Jokic some wraps, but the rest of the matchups, they're all kind of got one-two punches. I don't know 
again, harping back to injury stuff, what the deal is with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, but they're a bit of a one-two punch. OKC is in the same boat. Miami does kind of have Jimmy Butler, but he needs some help if they're going to make any noise. Where do you see... I've kind of danced around a couple of questions here, but I want to talk about Denver a little bit here. Because obviously, if Jokic becomes one of those like Giannis, Kawhi, LeBron level talents, which he kind of did in the playoffs last year. He kind of is. Yeah. Then um, it's going to be very interesting to see how they stack up. Because who do you play aside from Portland? San Antonio. Antonio. So they didn't really match up with like a heavy hitter or like a, you know, a superstar talent like LeBron or the Rockets or something like that. Mm. So how deep do you really think Denver can go? And does it just hinge on Jokic or... Oh, mate, Denver, I think, is one of the teams with almost the most questions around them, given that Jokic just had corona and he's also lost, like, 50 pounds. Yeah. So that's just so major. I just don't know what we're going to get from Jokic. I got a funny feeling he it won't affect him too much. I think it'll be a big benefit to him. He'll be more athletic, faster, um, fitter. But you do worry about the mass factor. Although mm-hmm. the league's trending away from that. So in a funny way, it might not be the worst thing. Because he's a bit of a finesse guy. So th- there's those questions. And then you've got the Michael Porter Jr. questions. You've got the Jamal Murray, like which version of him questions. But I think the, the fact that Jokic has shown that he goes to another level in the playoffs bodes well for the Nuggets like you don't there's plenty of guys and there's I'm sure we'll talk about them shortly that in the playoffs and the finals shy away yeah obviously Jokic isn't one of those guys well he's shown to not be that guy Um, and if we can if you can get consistency from the rest you feel like that might be enough um, to at least push them deep in a really bizarre, bizarre playoff series. Yeah. For those who would maybe say it's a small sample size considering he only has had one trip to the playoffs in Jokic, he did average, listen to this, it doesn't even sound real, 25 points, 13 rebounds, 8.4 assists, all while shooting 50% from the field, nearly 40% from three, and playing a hair under 40 minutes a game through two seven-game series last mm. year. So... There was a lot made about Nikola Jokic's conditioning and a lot about his issues in the past. Obviously, he has to carry a huge load for the Nuggets, which you know leads to him having pretty high turnover and foul numbers. But I think if he can repeat something similar to that, which we, I, we both expect him to do, and I do uh, personally, I think the Nuggets could really sneak into not just a West Finals trip, but they've got, certainly got the talent to crack through to the NBA yeah, Finals. Especially if that talent comes together at the right time and that's you know we all know the NBA and sport is all about timing yeah and so it just happens that's why I've been saying I never look at Toronto last year like how many lucky breaks slash like the trade for Kawhi like it was literally a perfect storm exactly yeah we could you know harp on a lot more of the top tier talents but I am more interested in some of these guys like the Raptors and the Nuggets I think maybe the only other one that I have a bit of faith in out east is the Boston Celtics now they're sitting, I think, a couple of games behind the Raptors. So they could potentially get into the coveted two seed, which a lot of people will want because that means you can avoid Milwaukee. Obviously, if they're third, not the end of the world. But do you think the Celtics have the talent on the roster to challenge for the East as well? And outside of them, do you reckon any of the others do? I think that what I'm sort of looking at going into this restart is that I think it's going to be really hard to score. Yeah. I think defense... Okay. 
is going to be fine, but everyone's going to be rusty. So having a really stingy defense, these playoffs, or certainly at the start, I don't think is going to be such a factor. It's going to be about who could put the ball in the in the basket. Luckily for Boston, they've also probably got four. They've have what I would consider elite scorers. Mm. So. Um, or at least three. Kemba. Yeah, call it Jalen Brown. Jason call, Tatum. Marcus Smart. Maybe Gordon <laughs> Hayward. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, Gordon Hayward. But call it three. That's that's at least three options. Whereas if, if LeBron's off or if Giannis is off, the Bucks and the Lakers are in probably in a bit of trouble. Mm. Um, I mean, you've got Antavis, blah, blah, blah. But I, I think that's going to bode well for them. Scoring depth. Same with the Nuggets. Um, and same with a few of these other teams. Um, but I, I think those defensive teams are, are going to struggle a little bit um, just because everyone's going to be struggling to score. So it's just going to be less important this year. Yeah. Um, obviously, come the finals, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, it's a completely it's different ballgame when yeah. you get that deep. But getting to that point, like I could see, I think a lot of favourites will fall in the first round yeah. just because it's like, could be oh, a lot of upsets. We just had we just had five games we just could not score. We just haven't. Pl- it's not on. Even if you go, you know, you drop two in a seven or six game series, like you just have two absolute stinkers. Think about, might not have been last year, but the year before in the East Finals. Boston shot like three from 30 from three-point line. Mm. That's right, it was 2018-17. Last year, the Cavs and the Warriors played. Sure. Because Cleveland beat them, and then in the ensuing game in the West, Houston shot terribly from downtown, mm. and Golden State got the win. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see who can stay hot. Speaking of Houston, they are the second best scoring team in the league, so they might be able to find their mojo. Big move, obviously, a uh, month before the season shut down by trading Clint Capella, and they put all their eggs in the Russell Westbrook James Harden basket. Could this finally be the season? All this chaos and all this confusion, could the Rockets finally gel and absolutely go on a surge to kind of buck their trend from recent years? Yeah, sort of. Go, I think I'll just make a little point before I talk directly mm. about the Rockets. Is going into this, out of this, into this restart. Sorry, I think just like scoring is going to be at a premium. I think like um, coaches who are willing and and will come in with weird tactics um, probably stand a good chance because you just don't have the time to adjust and look at the ten games before the season or how how is the, how are the other defenses working against this tactic that they've been using. If people come out with some really weird stuff, just like a all six foot lineup, yeah, you know, who who can all still put put it up, like in the bucket, um, I think that bodes well. And I really like Houston as the they're my team out of outside of those top three who I think could win it all. Um, and I think like like I said, defense isn't going to be as big a problem. Um, so weirdly, I think that bodes well for Houston, and then they can turn it around and really fill it up because they have got two of the best ten scorers in the league, and probably you know the what three three MVPs, two uh, of the last two three, of the last three, something yeah, like that. Something yeah, like. yeah, they're both dynamic scorers, and I think what it really helped when they eventually did trade Clint Capella is not only were they able to go a bit smaller and it helped space the floor for their shooters, it but it gave the, Westbrook, yeah, a lot more space to kind of attack yep. and go at it. I'm just trying to get up um, to see how they went since they traded Clint Capella. There was, again, wasn't a huge sample size, but they had won one, two, three, four, five, six games in a row before then losing four games in a row mm. and then beat the Timberwolves. So they were roughly 10 and 6, 11 and 7 without Clopella, Capella, Clopella. So I don't think that's going to make a huge 
Well, it's no. not going to be a huge problem without him in the middle. They signed... Mamute. That's right. Huge, I was just going to say. Pick up. There's someone who I forgot. Obviously, the trade for Rocco in that Capella deal gives him another good defender, period. Absolutely. But... Yeah, Baramute, another lanky guy. Great defender, great shooter. Yeah. Yep. I think it'll be interesting to see. There's a real opportunity for those guys kind of in that, I guess you could call it second tier. I think the Torontos and your Denvers of the world are right on the edge because we talked about how there's a handful right at the top. Yep. But Houston, Indiana, Philly, Miami, Utah, like what we get out of them could, you know, could be a make or break year for a lot of them. And I think... Just to kind of t- tie this all up in a bow and finish, because I want to touch a little bit on the Bucks, who are the only 50-win team currently in the league. This is a real important opportunity for Milwaukee. Obviously, they kind of peaked well earlier in the year when they were all healthy and they were all rolling. Then they started having some issues with Giannis. And I had a bit of a look through their roster. They're actually not that young. Like they put, oh, no, they're not that They put a couple of uh, eggs into the Eric Bledsoe basket. Um, Middleton's not young George Hill's 34 Kyle Korver's about 54 Obviously the Lopez twins are 32 So this really I don't want to say it's make or break But considering Giannis' pending free agency And outside of Middleton and Bledsoe There's not a ton of young up at, or, you know, All-star level talent on that roster Could be a really big opportunity for Milwaukee And if they let it slip I don't think Giannis will leave But he could just end up signing, staying for a couple more years, and then eventually doing a LeBron or a Kevin Garnett and in the back half of his career leaving. So, big opportunity for the Bucks. I could see Milwaukee just somehow making a trade for Brad Bielwerk. Um, That'd be really nice. Well, they're a team to kind of watch as the next potential blow-it-up candidates for Washington. But unfortunately, Um, Washington and uh, Phoenix are going to be in the bubble, but probably not producing a ton of highlights. But yeah, just before we go, I've, I've, there's a, obviously we've got to talk about some of those real long shots. Um, but I just one of the teams I want to highlight in my sort of that second tier, yep. um, which probably most people wouldn't have in there is Nola. And I reckon, I reckon Nola, particularly given, like I just said, weird tactics are going to go a long way, and weird players mm. in this playoffs are going to be really important. And I can't think of a team with more weird players than bloody New Orleans. New Orleans. They've got like this... Drew, Drew Holiday is a weird player. He's a great defender. You're just like, you don't know what you're going to get from him. Mm-hmm. Lonzo Ball, weird player. Jackson Hateway is just a player. But you know, like <laughs> then you've got um, Ingram, who's kind of this enigmatic guy who can fill it up. He's an all-star this year. Yep. Um, and, and then you've got obviously Zion, who's... We just don't know. We don't like, know what he We've seen, what, 15 games from him? Ballpark, yeah. And he averaged 24 points a game. Uh, and like eight rebounds and you're just like that was his first touch 15 games of basketball and he just bullied guys and like it wasn't you weren't like oh this guy's the package not like the job's not done but I think in these playoffs that that mixture of youth the youth is important too because if you can just get through with those few knocks that don't you know it's not a Clay Thompson it's a their bodies can take I mean yeah if if Brandon Ingram came down from there he would have been fine you know what I mean um, oh, and, and also the Warriors just played like a million games in three years. So. Yeah. You forget just think Josh Hart's on that roster as well. He's yeah. a he's the type of guy that JJ could just swing a game or a series with like a couple of... Because he's a really good rebounder and defender as well. JJ Reddick's not missing the playoffs, man. Has not missed the playoffs he in won't. his career. I just don't think... I reckon they'll sneak in. Even if they push out 
friggin' um, Portland. They'd have to push out... Uh, I don't think mathematically they can catch Portland. No, sorry. It's um, Dallas they can't catch. So they have to knock out Memphis. And as sure. long as they're within four games of Memphis, yep. by the time the eight warm-up games, whatever you want to call them, yep. are finished, they're three and a half games back now. So if the play-in tournament were to take place today, we would get... Uh, Get our money's worth, that's for sure. Bloody yeah. I'm uh, I'm excited to see what those young guys do do. Like yeah. do do. Speaking of the bottom of the uh, the West, where you got Luca, obviously Ja Morant, Zion. It'd be very interesting to see. Just and Sacramento is still coming to Orlando. I know Kings fans might be the only ones that remembered that, but if they get Marvin Bagley back up and running, because he'd missed quite a bit mm. of the year from memory. Have the um, hand. Were they? Was someone else there injured? I feel like they were missing another chunk. Or... Uh... Can't remember. Can't remember. I know that obviously Buddy Hill. Oh, Sean Holmes was out for a long time. Huge piece of mm. their uh, rotation. Mm. He is. Yeah. Physically, maybe yeah. not uh, theoretically. Important but... rebounder, yeah. Oh, Bogdanovich. I can't remember. Anyway, yeah. regardless, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I think they'll be, yeah, there are my long shots. Them and the Mavs, long shots for me. Oh, I am. In the preseason, I stuck with Philadelphia as my. Long... Oh, I think I said as my finals pick. So I might keep them just tucked away in my back pocket mm. as my long shot, but I don't know if they've got enough shooters to uh, to make it really work. That's the one I reckon. Still got two weeks until the season does kick back up, but obviously when it does, um, we'll finally have basketball back in our lives and plenty of other stuff to discuss and talk about. I think we'll make this fantasy kind of weekend wrap-up a bit of a, uh, a weekly segment. I was going to stop it there. What I might do is we'll do, um, like, give... Oh, no, I'll start it next week, actually. Never mind. Okay. Because we completely skimmed over all the fantasy stuff. I was just going to say we'll do, like, not three votes, but come up with something for yeah, right. the week. Yep. I think what we're going to do is do a bit of a weekly fantasy wrap-up. And as I mentioned already, there's going to be basketball in our lives. So that will be uh, the heavily top-covered topics on the, what we call it, Sunday, Monday sit-down. We'll try and do it. Legally. Yeah. We'll come up with a good name. We'll give you the uh, GSFL local footy update as well, because uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this that uh, care about what happens in the Albany footy. Yeah. Uh, went 0-1, did play against uh, the Miracle on Grass, Ash McGrath in round one, who managed to bag five against us. Got North Albany on the weekend. Uh, got a tip for the listeners. What do you reckon is uh, going to happen on the weekend? Mighty Sharks versus the Kangas. Oh, I reckon we come out hot. Yeah. Uh, I reckon we move the ball fast and we jump them, and then we uh, just... Uh, and then it'll rain. I reckon all it's... Then it'll rain, yeah. We might call it three-quarter time so we can go in and watch the derby. Yep. All right, thanks for listening to this episode. Obviously, more ones to come in the future. Thanks for sitting down. J-Lo, till next time, chip your win. Chip your win.